Hello everyone, this is Jeffrey Wells with the Brother Cousins Podcast. I'll be your host this week. First of all, I'd like to say thank you so much for joining back in this month. We're really excited about this topic, and we pray that it's going to be a blessing that brings glory to God and His kingdom. Jared talked about last week the introduction of this series, and he introduced this idea of being a new creation in Christ. And this is a topic that we see talked about over and over again in the New Testament. And it's something that really needs to be teased out because it's a pretty complex subject that a lot of people struggle with. And I really liked the idea that Jared brought forth that this is a continual renewing process. And I've experienced that in my life. Whenever I first became a Christian, I recognized that I was cleansed by God. I was sanctified. I was justified. And that he was going to be able to help me in this transformation process. You know, fast forward several years And there's still a lot of things that I struggle with in my life. I still am a very proud person and it manifests itself in a lot of different ways in my life. And that's where I thank God for his grace and his understanding. I'm thankful for his strength and I'm mostly thankful for his forgiveness because he keeps working in me and transforming me so that I can be more like Christ. And that's the end goal here, is that we continue to be transformed to the image of Christ so that we can be the type of image bearers that will bring glory to his name. And that's why we wanted to talk a little bit about this subject. And part of being this new creature is having a new mind, having a new knowledge that's going to determine a different course of action for your life. And just to be very frank, this can be hard. And it can be difficult for several different reasons. On one level, man has a tendency to just be stiff-necked and hard-headed. Psalms chapter 32 and verse 8, the Bible says, I will instruct you and teach you in the way that you should go. I will counsel you with my eye upon you. Be not like a horse or a mule without understanding. God has given us instruction of how to be guided towards a new mind with new knowledge and new action to live the course of life as that new creation. But like a stubborn mule, we ignore it or we go against that counsel. That's because a mule's natural state is to be stubborn and a horse's natural state is to be wild and free. Both of these animals are following what is easy and natural for them to do instead of following the guidance of a being that has higher thinking than them. And the instruction here is don't be a mule or a horse. Accept the understanding that God is trying to impart upon us. And the good news is that for stubborn people like me, mules and horses can be trained. And that means there's hope for all of us. You know, it's also difficult on a different level because there's a constant struggle in our mind. There's this constant war within us trying to be this new creature with this new knowledge and this new action, and yet our mind is continually torn. You know, Paul talks about that in Romans chapter 7. Beginning in verse 15, he says, For I do not understand my own actions. For I do not do what I want, but I do the very thing I hate. For I know that nothing good dwells in me, that is, in my flesh. For I have the desire to do what is right, but not the ability to carry it out. For I do not do the good I want, but the evil I do not want is what I keep on doing. Now, if I do what I do not want, it is no longer I who do it, but sin that dwells within me. 
This passage reflects on the difficulty of this transformation process and that internal struggle that can be ongoing in the minds of Christians. And this is a very relatable passage because it's raw and it's full of the human struggle. You know, how many times have you said or thought in your mind, I don't understand why I keep doing this. I know what I should do, but that's not what I do. I know what I shouldn't do, but that's what I do anyways. You know, that's something that is constantly in my mind. You know, as I mentioned previously, I've struggled with pride my entire life. And over the course of my Christian transformation, it's manifested itself in different ways. Right whenever I think that I've got a handle on it, it pops up in a different way. It manifests itself in another sinful action or another sinful tendency And it's just hard because you're like, man, I thought I was over that. And I know what I should do, but that's not what I do. And I think it's important that whenever we go through this struggle, that we recognize a couple things. Number one is that this struggle is real. And number two, the fact that you're struggling shows that you're still fighting against that natural urge of the flesh and trying to be led by the Spirit and transformed into an image bearer that will bring glory to God. You know, as Paul continues in this line of thinking with this struggle of breaking loose of the mindset of the sinful flesh and becoming this new creation, he points to the base problem of the actions being stuck in the nature of the old man and sinful because our old mind was sinful. And the battle of the mind rages inside of us, leading us to make these particular decisions. And this is why it's so important as a new creature to have a new mind and new knowledge and new understanding so that we can have new action. So first of all, we need to recognize that our mind is going to take us somewhere. Romans chapter 8 and verse 5 says, For those who live according to the flesh set their minds on the things of the flesh. But those who live according to the Spirit set their minds on things of the Spirit. For to set the mind on the flesh is death, but to set the mind on the Spirit is life and peace. And whenever we read this, we immediately see that there's two basic paths. One that is based on if your mind is set on things of the flesh. And if your mind is set on things of the flesh, then it's going to lead you down a path towards death. And the other is based on if your mind is set on things of the Spirit. And he says that that path is going to lead to life and peace. So where your mind is set determines your actions. And your mind and your actions determine your path. And if we continue on in Romans 8 and we look at verses 7 and 8, we see that those who set their minds on the flesh are hostile to God. And those who act according to the flesh cannot please God. And so it's important that we recognize that where we set our mind is going to determine our path. And if we want to move our actions from being flesh-led to spirit-led, That means we need to direct our minds on something different than what it was previously. The language used in Romans 8, in the English Standard Version at least, is to set your mind. And I want to be very clear that directing your mind and setting your mind, I'm using those terms synonymously, they're the same thing. Because that's what we see in the scriptures. In in Colossians chapter 3, beginning in verse 1, it says, 
If then you have been raised with Christ, seek the things that are above, where Christ is, seated at the right hand of God. Set your mind on things that are above, not on things that are of the earth. For you have died, and your life is hidden with Christ in God. When Christ, who is your life, appears, then you also will appear with him in glory. Put to death, therefore, what is earthly in you, sexual immorality, impurity, passion, evil desire, and covetousness, which is idolatry. On account of these, the wrath of God is coming. In these you too once walked when you were living in them. This passage is comparing that new man to who that old man was and giving instruction about this transformation process. And rather than using terms like spirit and flesh, like in Romans, terms are earthly and above. But it's talking about the same subject. And the choices are still the same. And he talks about setting your mind on things of this earth. Or setting your minds on things of the flesh. And very similar to a mule being stubborn and a horse being wild and free, this is natural and easy for us to do, to set our minds on things of the earth. Because the fleshly mind focuses on self and what will preserve self. And it tells us in Colossians 3 that the actions that can flow from that are sexual immorality and impurity and the passions of lust and evil cravings or desires and covetousness. And if we go a little further in in the text, we also see that it brings forth anger and wrath and malice and slander and obscene speech and lying. And Paul says that when you were living in these things, you walked this path according to the flesh. Additional to Colossians 3, there's a passage, it's kind of a twin passage in Ephesians chapter 4 that I'd like to pull a little bit more information out of. Ephesians 4 beginning in verse 17, it says, Now this I say and testify in the Lord that you must no longer walk as the Gentiles do in the futility of their minds. They are darkened in their understanding alienated from the life of God because the ignorance that is in them due to their hardness of heart. They have become callous and have given themselves up to sensuality, greedy to practice every kind of impurity. But that is not the way you learned Christ. Assuming that you have heard about him and were taught in him as the truth is in Jesus. To put off your old self, which belongs to your former manner of life, and is corrupt through deceitful desires, and to be renewed in the spirit of your minds, and to put on the new self, created after the likeness of God, in true righteousness and holiness. This again is talking about the same subject, this fight between the flesh and the spirit, and who you once were, and who you should be as a new creation. And what he says is that this is still natural. Walking according to the flesh, it's natural. But it's also based on a darkened understanding and a hardened heart. And this path has led them away from God. It says that because of their darkened understanding and callousness, they have given themselves over to the works of the flesh. Throughout history and today, Many people who reject the knowledge of God see themselves as quote-unquote enlightened. And the ignorance mentioned here does not mean that they aren't smart enough to understand the knowledge of God. In fact, many who reject God are smart. They have the intellectual capacity. But their brilliance is wasted in futility when paired with their hardness towards the truth of the gospel. Many over the years, have given over to 
a debased mind because they refuse to see the truth in the gospel of Christ. And so they walk a path according to the flesh, serving themselves something that is natural and easy because they set their things, their minds on things of the earth and the flesh. So I want to make sure that I'm not poorly representing the message here. This is not isolated to those who were atheists. In fact, several Gentiles believed in a deity. They just didn't honor the true and living God. The problem, however, is still the same. They do not have a mind that chases after the truth of God, but rather is content with what is natural and what is easy and what follows after the flesh. And I again want to remind you that although this is a natural and easy way, that this way is going to lead you away from God and it's going to lead you to death. You cannot honor God when your mind is set on the flesh. And so I'd like to shift gears and think about setting your mind on the spirit, on setting your mind on things above. Going back to Colossians, it says that if you have been raised with Christ, seek the things that are above, where Christ is seated at the right hand of God. Set your minds on things that are above and not on things that are of the earth. For you have died and your life is hidden with Christ in God. The language Paul uses is to provide admonition for followers of Christ who have been born again. And he says, you have died. Speaking of the old man, he says, you have been raised and now your life is hidden in Christ. So seek the things that are above where Christ is seated on the right hand of God. And this is the same thing as seeking the path of the spirit or being led by the spirit. And if we, continue, if we continue in the text of Colossians 3, it says, Put on then as God's chosen ones, holy and beloved, compassionate hearts, kindness, humility, meekness, and patience, bearing with one another, and if one has a complaint against another, forgiving each other, as the Lord has forgiven you, so you also must forgive. And above all these things, put on love, which binds everything together in perfect harmony. So in contrast to setting your mind on the flesh, when you set your mind on the spirit, your actions become spirit-led. And Paul says, put on things like a compassionate heart and kindness and humility and meekness and patience where you're bearing with one another and you're forgiving one another just as Christ has forgiven you. And he says, above all else, put on love. And I want to point out that these characteristics are highly connected to actions. For example, kindness is more than just a state of mind. Kindness is shown. You know someone is kind by the way that they act. Having a humble mind is more than esteeming yourself below others. It's known through your speech and through your actions. Forbearing and having a forgiving spirit is one that obviously has to be internal, but you see the actions paired with it. Because when someone hasn't forgiven someone else, there's bitterness and there's distance in that relationship. And that may be manifested in physical distance, like avoiding someone, or in a passive-aggressive situation where you make passive-aggressive remarks, and it may just kind of be hidden in jest. But I also want to add that since love has been a major focal point in my studies in the past couple of years, that when you walk this way of love, it helps all these other characteristics become more effective in your life. And you're able to use them for the edification of others and to honor God. 
And I don't want to sound like a broken record, but love is the key, and it always has been for God's people. And if you're wondering if you're walking according to the Spirit and have your mind set on things above, then look at your life and see if you love like Jesus. And that's a pretty good indicator. And that thought makes a good transition to go back to Ephesians chapter 4, where it says in verse 21, Assuming that you have heard about him and were taught in him as the truth is in Jesus, to put off your old self, which belongs to your former manner of life and is corrupt through deceitful desires, and to be renewed in the spirit of your minds, and to put on the new self, creating after the likeness of God in true righteousness and holiness. Looking at Jesus as the guide, for being led by the Spirit and seeking the things which are above is the most important step here. Paul makes an assumption, and this may be more of a Columbo tactic, that he says, I'm assuming that you've heard about Jesus and the truth that's in him, that you've been taught about that. And if you have, then put away that old man and the old man's tendencies and be renewed in the spirit of your minds and put on this new man that's modeled in the likeness of God who has this new and renewed mind with new knowledge and new understanding. And if you go back to earlier in Ephesians chapter 4 verses 9 through 15-ish, Paul talks about how Jesus is the measure of maturity. And the idea is that we are looking to him as the model and following him in the transformation process of becoming a new creature with a new knowledge and new actions. And this path, as we've read, leads you to God. It leads you to be more like God, and as Paul said in Romans chapter 8, to life and peace. And so I hope that I've been able to make those two choices clear. And obviously, I'm one-sided in this. I'm going to be encouraging people to choose the path, the mind, that will lead to life and peace, that is following Jesus and helping us be better image bearers of Jesus. And I really hope that none of us refuse the understanding and the guidance that God has offered us. But as Paul showed us in Romans chapter 7, that there's this ongoing battle that's raging inside of him and in us, and it's hard. And I just hope that that I'm not a mule in the end, and that I reject that counsel and that understanding. And so it's important that we develop a love for this new knowledge from God. You know, during PT school, I had a teacher that always emphasized the importance of two things. Number one, being a lifelong learner, and another, being intellectually humble. And these two were coupled together because intellectual humility means that you recognize that you could be wrong or you have an incomplete understanding. And so there's always more to learn. And being a lifelong learner was a characteristic and a set of actions associated with always trying to grow towards more knowledge and better understanding. And this was obviously in an academic and a professional setting, and it was advice for those settings. But it's based on growth and transformation. And like I said previously, there are some brilliant minds out there who waste their brilliance on futile and earthly subjects. But there's a good thought here that's translatable to spiritual growth and aligns with scriptural teachings and guidance that God has given us. You think about how many times in the New Testament that there's been instruction that we grow. Even in the Old Testament, Proverbs 1 and 7, the fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge, but fools despise wisdom and instruction. It's the beginning of knowledge, which means that there's a path there that we go down. 1 Peter 2 and 2, like newborn infants, long for the pure spiritual milk that by it you may grow up into salvation. 2 Peter 3 and 8, but grow in the grace and knowledge of our Lord and Savior. 
Colossians 1. And so from that day we heard, we have not ceased to pray for you, asking that you may be filled with knowledge for his will and all spiritual wisdom and understanding. Rather, speaking the truth in love, we are to grow up in every way into him who is the head into Christ. Now, there's so many more passages. Those are just simply scraping the surface. But I want you to see the emphasis on growth and knowledge and development in this transformation process. Because part of developing a love for new knowledge is recognizing the emphasis God has placed on our minds to continually seek after new understanding from him. And another part of developing that love for a new knowledge is being humble enough to recognize that you have room to grow. Now, I want you to think about Jesus. In Luke chapter 2, it says that Jesus increased in wisdom and stature and in favor with God and man. You know, we read passages about Jesus' humility several places in the scriptures. And in this passage, we see Jesus as a youth who obviously has enough knowledge that it amazes some of the teachers in the temple. But what do we see Jesus doing here? We see Jesus sitting and listening and asking questions. This is an act of intellectual humility. You know, in contrast, many of us want to show our wisdom by proclaiming what we know. You know, whenever I was that age and, and even today, I want to, to proclaim my wisdom. But what I'm really doing there is proclaiming my pride and my folly. You know, Jesus continued to grow in wisdom despite already having the type of knowledge that he could teach teachers. And with that example in mind, I want us to circle back to a topic that was introduced in Ephesians chapter 4, this idea of being renewed in the spirit of your mind. The idea of growth means that this process is continual. And although this is the only time this Greek word is used in the New Testament uh, for renewed, the word is related to one used in 2 Corinthians chapter 4 and verse 16 and Colossians chapter 3 and verse 10, which are speaking of being renewed day by day and in the context of growing in knowledge and used as a part of illustration of growing, which again indicates this continual process. And this idea of continual renewing and transforming is scattered throughout the New Testament teachings. So I think it's important that we recognize that just like Jesus continued to grow, we need to be intellectually humble enough to recognize that there's always room for us to grow. And it should motivate us to keep growing to the stature of Christ. And it's this type of growth that's a process that requires you to openly seek truth and be willing to think about things differently than what we have before. You know, another part of developing a love for new knowledge is submitting to the guidance from the God who is the source of truth. God should be the source of our knowledge. God has given us the things that pertain to life and godliness within the scriptures. God is truth and the source of all truth. And this is why it's so important that we set our minds on things above. Because God is above us and inspires knowledge to help us mature. And so I want to take that thought and circle back to a verse that we used in the very beginning. That passage about the mule and the horse. He says, I will instruct you and teach you in the way that you should go. I will counsel you with my eye upon you. Be not like a horse or a mule without understanding, which must be curbed with a bit and bridle, or it will not stay near you. And rather than being forced by a bit to submit, if you develop a love for God and His truth, you will continue to 
be offered new knowledge by God for growth and maturity. And Proverbs is full of teachings about the folly or the foolishness of not listening to the counsel and guidance, especially given by God. And the other thing is that the ability to submit to the counsel of God is partially determined by your ability to discern truth and proper application of, the knowledge, of that knowledge to your life. Romans chapter 12 and verse 2 says, Do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewal of your mind, that by testing you may discern what is the will of God and what is good and acceptable and perfect. This again is why the emphasis is placed on not allowing the world to shape you, but rather being transformed by the renewing of your mind based on the counsel of God. Because your maturity level should continue to progress so that you have more and more ability to discern what the will of God is and how that should be applied to your life. And so as a new creature, we must have a mind which thinks differently. Our old mind is what took us down a path that was easy and natural and based on the flesh. And that path is taking us to death. But our new mind should be set on things that aren't on the flesh, but of the spirit. Things that are above, that will direct us down a path towards life and peace. And you must recognize that what you set your mind on determines your actions and your path. And we must continually grow in our knowledge. Which means being humble enough to admit that we don't know everything. And loving truth enough that we are willing to submit to new truth that's been revealed to us by God in our lives. Again, I'm so excited about this topic because it's personal, it's relatable, and it's something that we all struggle with. And so I pray that this is a blessing. Looking forward to next week as Christopher talks about that as part of being this new creation, we have a new dominion and we serve a great God. Thanks again. God bless and let your love abound. <music>